0: Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Fort Worth Gospel Truth Rally. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. I tell you, God loves us more than any of us have ever recognized. And I want to share some really simple things with you tonight. I feel like God spoke this to me just for this group here tonight. And so I pray that you'll open up your heart and receive this. Let's turn over to the book of Revelation, chapter 4. And of course, there's a lot of things in the book of Revelation. I don't preach out of this a lot because I don't understand it all. That shocks some people, but man, what I don't know would fill volumes. What I do know has changed my life and the lives of a lot of people, but man, I hadn't got it all figured out. But all of this wrath, all of the punishment, all of the plagues and everything you hear in the book of Revelations, first of all, in chapter 4, John was caught up into heaven and he got a, a, a taste of what heaven was like and what I believe is going on right now. This is just a glimpse into heaven and before all of the things that the book of Revelation reveals, it just reveals that there is a culture of worship that people are constantly praising God. This is the way that it is in heaven and the Lord prayed that it would be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is the way that we should be living. So let's look at some of these things here in Revelation chapter four, it says uh, in verse one, after this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven and the first voice, which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a, a rainbow round about the throne in sight, like unto an emerald. You know, if you compare this with Ezekiel chapter 1 and chapter 10, you'll find out that the rainbow is actually the glory of God that surrounds the throne in heaven. You ought to go study that out. That's not my point tonight. But every time you see a rainbow, you are seeing the glory of God that surrounds the throne in heaven. And you ought to be aware of that. Next time you see a rainbow, it's not just something that happens, it is the glory of God. And it didn't happen until the Lord set the rainbow as a sign that He would never again destroy the earth with a flood. Well, that's powerful. And in verse four, it says, and round about the throne were four and 20 seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal and in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion and the second beast like a calf and the third beast had the faces of a man and the fourth beast like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him and they were full of eyes within and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and 20 elders fall down before him and cast their uh, before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created." Boy, there is so many things that we could say about this, but I was wanting to focus on the last part of that 11th verse and just show you that in heaven, it is constantly worshiping the Lord. IT SAYS UP HERE THAT THESE FOUR BEASTS CEASE NOT DAY AND NIGHT TO SAY HOLY, HOLY, HOLY. AND THEN IT SAYS, AND WHEN THE BEASTS GIVE GLORY TO GOD, WHICH THEY GIVE GLORY TO GOD DAY AND NIGHT. AND EVERY TIME THEY DO IT, THESE uh, ELDERS FALL DOWN AND CAST THEIR CROWNS BEFORE THE LORD AND WORSHIP THE LORD. AND SO IF THE BEASTS ARE CONSTANTLY WORSHIPPING THE LORD, AND EVERY TIME THEY DO THAT, THE ELDERS ARE FALLING DOWN ON THEIR FACE AND CASTING THEIR CROWNS BEFORE THE LORD, Then in heaven, it's just a constant scene of these elders falling prostrate before the Lord, throwing their crowns, getting up, sitting on their thrones. And as soon as they get there, here goes the beast again, worshiping the Lord. And it's just constant worship and praise and everybody uh, worshiping the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about that we will have crowns in heaven. And I do believe that we're gonna have crowns. But you know what? It's Jesus that deserves all of the honor and the glory. Any good thing that any of us have ever done it all goes to Jesus and I personally believe even though God is gonna give us these crowns, we will know it, we will remember it. I think all of us are gonna cast our crowns before the Lord so that you aren't gonna have the Apostle Paul over here with a huge, humongous crown and me over in the corner with a little tiny something on top of my head. I think that you know what? We won't be able to tell the difference because we've cast all of our crowns before the Lord. There's gonna be inequality in heaven. BUT AS THEY DO THIS, HERE'S WHAT THEY WERE SAYING IN VERSE 11, THOU ART WORTHY, O LORD, TO RECEIVE GLORY AND HONOR AND POWER, FOR THOU hast CREATED ALL THINGS, AND FOR THY PLEASURE THEY ARE AND WERE CREATED. NOW THIS IS REALLY IMPORTANT THE WAY THIS IS STATED BECAUSE IT SAYS, FOR GOD'S PLEASURE WE ARE AND WERE CREATED. THAT IS REALLY SIGNIFICANT THE WAY IT'S SAID because it shows you that the original purpose of God creating mankind was to get pleasure out of us, to love us. It was for relationship. And it says that's the original purpose. That's what we were and are created for. You know, when Adam and Eve sinned, so many things changed. We, uh, most people think that normal... THEIR their KIND OF uh, IDEA OF NORMAL IS THE WAY THAT THEY'VE BEEN RAISED, WHAT THEY GREW UP WITH. WE WERE TALKING ABOUT THIS AS WE uh, WERE DRIVING AROUND HERE, THAT YOU KNOW, WHEN I COME BACK TO THE DALLAS-FORT WORTH AREA, EVEN THOUGH I'VE BEEN GONE FROM HERE LONGER THAN I LIVED HERE, THIS IS STILL KIND OF LIKE HOME. YOU COME HOME AND IT JUST... THE SMELLS AND THE FEELS ARE WHAT MY NORMAL IS. AND WE WERE TALKING ABOUT SOME OF THESE THINGS. But what we call normal today is so far removed from what God intended for mankind that many of us just don't realize what we were created for. What we think normal is is way different than God's normal. Let me just say some things. I'm not against the church. I am 100% for the church. I'm in a church. Amen. I love the church. It's the body of Christ. But did you know that the body of Christ, the church... IS A REACTION TO SIN. THE WORD CHURCH LITERALLY MEANS CALLED OUT ONES. THERE WOULDN'T BE ANY NEED TO CALL PEOPLE OUT IF WE HADN'T OF FALLEN AND GOTTEN AWAY FROM GOD. THE CHURCH, AS IMPORTANT AS IT IS, AND AS POWERFUL AS IT IS, IS NOT PART OF GOD'S ORIGINAL PURPOSE FOR MANKIND. IT'S A REACTION TO THE FALL, AND HE CALLED PEOPLE OUT INTO A BODY OF BELIEVERS. Government was never intended. If people were living holy and if we hadn't a sin, did you know you would not have to have governments and punishments and rejection and taxes and there's just so much stuff that we deal with that we consider to be normal and yet it never was part of God's plan. And we could just go on and we could talk about that all night long, but there is so much that has changed and that we grew up with and we just think that this is normal. But did you know something that hasn't hasn't changed? Right here it says, God's purpose for creating us was and still is for His pleasure. God created you for His pleasure. He loves you. He enjoys you. God is passionate about you. AND CERTAINLY, PEOPLE OUTSIDE OF THE CHURCH DON'T REALLY BELIEVE THIS. THEY KIND OF FEEL LIKE THEY'RE ON THEIR OWN, AND YOU KNOW, THERE'S JUST A MULTITUDE OF DIFFERENT THINGS, BUT EVEN IN CHURCH, I WAS RAISED IN A CHURCH OVER HERE IN ARLINGTON, TEXAS, THAT I REMEMBER, WE USED TO SING THIS SONG ABOUT, I WAS BORN TO SERVE THE LORD. MY EYES WERE MADE TO READ HIS WORD. MY FEET WERE MADE TO WALK IN HIS WAYS. I WAS BORN TO SERVE THE LORD. AND THERE'S A TRUTH ABOUT THAT, THAT WE ARE TO SERVE HIM, But the way I took that, the way so many people take that, is that the only way I can ever do anything for the Lord, it's all about doing something. It's all about going out and serving Him. We had this little poem that we used to say jokingly, I don't think we ever said this from the pulpit, but the people in the pews used to say it, that Mary had a little lamb, it would have been a sheep, but it joined the Baptist church and died from lack of sleep. AND I MEAN, IT WAS ALL ABOUT WORKING YOURSELF TO DEATH. IT WAS ABOUT DOING SOMETHING FOR GOD. I HEARD A MAN AT A MISSIONS CONFERENCE ONE TIME SAYING, THE ONLY REASON, THE sole PURPOSE FOR YOUR EXISTENCE IS TO GO OUT AND DO A WORK FOR GOD, TO DO SOMETHING. YOU GOT TO DO SOMETHING FOR GOD. And I understood the point that he's trying to make. He was trying to motivate people to get out of their pew and go out and share with other people. There was a point there, but that boy, when he said that, I got to praying about that, and the Lord told me, No, that's not right. That's not the sole purpose for your existence. This man went on to say, If God just wanted to bless you, God would kill you and take you home. That's when you're going to have everything perfect. The reason he's left you here is to do a work. You got to do a work for God. DO SOMETHING FOR GOD. THAT IS ABSOLUTELY WRONG. ALTHOUGH WE ARE SUPPOSED TO BE SERVING THE LORD AND LETTING GOD FLOW THROUGH US, LET ME ASK YOU, WHAT WAS ADAM AND EVE'S PURPOSE? ADAM AND EVE DIDN'T HAVE ANY DEMONS TO CAST OUT. THEY DIDN'T HAVE ANYBODY TO PRAY FOR. THERE'S A LOT OF PEOPLE THAT THEIR WHOLE LIFE IS INTERCESSION AND PLEADING WITH GOD TO MOVE AND HAVE REVIVAL AND SEND YOUR SPIRIT AND GET SOMEBODY SAVED AND DO THIS, AND THEIR WHOLE LIFE REVOLVES AROUND BEGGING GOD TO DO SOMETHING. WHAT WAS ADAM AND EVE'S PURPOSE? WHAT WAS THERE TO BEG GOD FOR? THE ATMOSPHERE WAS PERFECT. THERE WASN'T ANY GLOBAL WARMING. THERE WASN'T ANY CO2 EMISSIONS. THEY DIDN'T HAVE TO PRAY ABOUT CLOTHES. THEY DIDN'T HAVE TO PRAY ABOUT GAS. THEY DIDN'T HAVE TO PRAY ABOUT a RECESSION. THEY DIDN'T HAVE TO PRAY OVER THEIR FOOD. THEY DIDN'T, EVERYTHING WAS PERFECT. Adam and Eve had nothing to ask God for. There was no demons to cast out. There was nobody to lead to the Lord. There was nothing. What was the purpose for their existence? According to Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, it was to please God. God met with them in the cool of the evening. God visited with them. And did you know what? That is justification for your existence right there whether you do anything for God. Let me, I'm going to go on and talk about this, but let me just jump ahead and tell you this, that if you do receive what I'm talking about and understand how much God wants to have relationship with you and fellowship with you, and if you get to where that becomes the center of your universe is just knowing God, He will use you more. You will do more for God than you ever thought about doing before. You can't get in contact with God and really experience God in an intimate, personal way without telling somebody about it. Amen. I guarantee you, you will catch on fire for God and you will wind up doing things, but it won't be the focus. It'll be the byproduct of relationship with God. God created Adam and Eve to love and to fellowship with. HE WANTED RELATIONSHIP WITH THEM. THAT WAS THE ORIGINAL PURPOSE. BEFORE THERE WAS ANY SIN, BEFORE THERE WAS ANY WORKS TO DO, ANY PRAYERS TO PRAY, ANY CHURCH TO GO TO, ANYTHING TO WORK IN, IT WAS ALL ABOUT RELATIONSHIP WITH GOD. GOD CREATED MANKIND BECAUSE HE WANTED RELATIONSHIP. AND THIS IS A LITTLE BIT OF SPECULATION ON MY PART, BUT YOU KNOW, WE DON'T KNOW FOR EVERYTHING ABOUT THE ANGELS, but. The angels, as far as we know, didn't have the free will and the things given to them that we did. I believe one of the reasons God gave us the free will and gave us the option of rejecting Him is because He didn't want it to be where He just pushed a button and made us love Him. He wanted it to be totally free will. He wanted somebody that would love Him of their own free will, not coerced, not begged into it, not forced into it, not demanded, and that's the reason He gave us this free will and he longed for fellowship. You know, the Bible says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is love. Yes. And anybody who is love not only has a need to express that love, but they have a need to be loved back. If you love somebody and they don't love you back, boy, that's hard. That's hard when people that you love reject you. I bet you every person in here has experienced that some way or another. If you truly love a person, you not only have a need to express that love to them, but you have a very strong desire to have them reciprocate and give love back to you. God is love. That is the nature of God. And God wanted someone that He could love and that He could pour His love out, but He longed for us to love Him back. And this is why we were created God created you, not just to use you. And again, there's so many people that this is kind of the concept that they have, that God, I'm nothing, I am nothing, I know I'm unworthy, but I'm just offering you, I'm gonna please you by doing all of these things. Again, it is good to serve God and do things, but God wants you more than He wants what you can do for Him. And if you are substituting, doing things for God, FOR YOUR PERSONAL RELATIONSHIP WITH GOD, THAT'S NOT PLEASING. I COULD TURN TO MANY SCRIPTURES. PSALMS CHAPTER 50 TALKS ABOUT, YOU KNOW, I'M GOING TO REASON WITH YOU ABOUT YOUR SACRIFICES, AND IT'S NOT BECAUSE THEY AREN'T THERE. THEY ARE THERE, BUT HE SAYS, WHY DO I WANT YOU TO SACRIFICE? IS IT BECAUSE I'M HUNGRY? HE SAYS, IF I WAS HUNGRY, I WOULDN'T ASK YOU. I OWN ALL OF THE CATTLE ON A THOUSAND HILLS. THEY'RE ALL MINE. AND WHAT HE'S DOING, YOU CAN READ THAT IN PSALMS CHAPTER 50, HE'S REASONING WITH THEM, WHY DID I WANT YOU TO SACRIFICE? IT'S NOT BECAUSE I NEEDED YOUR SACRIFICE, BUT YOU NEEDED TO RECOGNIZE THAT I AM SUBSTITUTING THE ANIMAL'S BLOOD FOR YOUR BLOOD. YOU DESERVE DEATH, BUT I AM ALLOWING YOU TO SUBSTITUTE THIS ANIMAL'S LIFE, AND IT WAS SO THAT WE COULD HAVE A RELATIONSHIP WITH HIM. And the Lord even commanded, He commanded people to offer these sacrifices because it was important that they understood these truths. But there are many places in the scripture where the Lord actually said to people, He says, get away, your sacrifices are a stink in my nostrils. I can't stand it. And it was things that He commanded them to do. But they were going through the motions. They were meeting the physical requirements, but their heart was far removed from Him. THE LORD REALLY DIDN'T WANT THE SACRIFICES. WHAT HE WANTED WAS A RELATIONSHIP, AND THIS WAS JUST A WAY TO KEEP THEM IN MEMORY OF THAT THEY NEEDED A SAVIOR IN ALL OF THESE THINGS. LIKEWISE TODAY, THERE'S MANY PEOPLE THAT ARE JUST AS STRAIGHT AS A GUN BARREL AND TWICE AS EMPTY. YOU DON'T HAVE ANY JOY IN YOU. YOU AREN'T FELLOWSHIPPING WITH THE LORD, BUT MAN, YOU GO TO CHURCH, YOU PAY YOUR TITHES, YOU READ THE BIBLE OUT OF DEBT AND OUT OF OBLIGATION, BUT YOU AREN'T CONNECTING WITH THE LORD THROUGH IT. IT'S A RITUAL. AND I BELIEVE THAT JUST LIKE THE LORD SAID THESE SACRIFICES THAT HE HAD COMMANDED, HE SAYS, I'M SICK OF THEM. GET THEM AWAY FROM ME. I BELIEVE THAT THE LORD GETS SICK OF A LOT OF OUR RELIGIOUS STUFF, NOT BECAUSE WHAT WE'RE DOING IS WRONG, BUT BECAUSE IT'S JUST BECOME SOMETHING THAT WE DO INSTEAD OF WORSHIP TO THE LORD. YOU KNOW, WHEN I FIRST GOT REALLY TURNED ON TO THE LORD OVER HERE, I, I HEARD PEOPLE TALK ABOUT THAT YOU NEED TO PRAY IN TONGUES AN HOUR A DAY. AND, MAN, I FIGURED IF AN HOUR A DAY WAS GOOD, TWO HOURS WOULD BE BETTER, THREE HOURS WOULD BE GREAT. AND SO, MAN, I'D USED TO SET AN ALARM CLOCK AT 7 O'CLOCK. I WAS GOING TO GO IN AND PRAY FOR TWO AND THREE HOURS IN TONGUES, AND I DID THAT FOR A LONG PERIOD OF TIME. AND uh, I WOULD BE STUDYING THE WORD AND JUST HAVING A WONDERFUL TIME. With the Lord and I mean God would be speaking to me and I'd be getting revelation and then it'd be time to go pray. And I actually got to where I resented the prayer time because I was really having a great time with the Lord, just worshiping the Lord and fellowshipping with him, but then it was time to go pray. And so anyway, one time I you know, I looked at my watch and, and it was like six thirty, I knew seven was coming up and I just tried to get real with the Lord and I said, God, I hate to admit it, but I dread, I dread going in and praying. I said, it's just a bummer. It's not fun. I'm enjoying studying the Word and doing this, but when I go in and pray, something's wrong. What's wrong with me? Why why is it I dread 30 minutes before this about going in to pray? And the Lord said, don't worry, Andrew. He says, I'd start dreading it an hour before. (laughs) AND WHEN THE LORD SPOKE THAT TO ME, I THOUGHT, MAN, IF GOD DIDN'T ENJOY THIS, AND IF I'M NOT ENJOYING THIS, WHY AM I DOING THIS? AND YOU KNOW, I WAS DOING IT BECAUSE IT WAS WHAT I WAS TOLD TO DO. IT WAS JUST A RITUAL. IT WAS SOMETHING i DO. THERE'S NOTHING WRONG WITH PRAYER, BUT I'M SAYING THE MOTIVE BEHIND WHAT YOU DO IS MORE IMPORTANT THAN WHAT YOU DO. AND MANY OF US HAVE BEEN TAUGHT THAT WE'VE GOT TO DO THESE THINGS, AND WE'RE DOING IT OUT OF DEBT, AND WE'RE DOING IT OUT OF OBLIGATION. AND GOD DOESN'T WANT YOUR SERVICE, HE WANTS YOU. IF HE GETS YOU, HE WILL GET YOUR SERVICE. YOU KNOW, WHEN I PROPOSED TO JAMIE, I REMEMBER I SAID, I WANT YOU TO SHARE THE REST OF MY LIFE WITH ME. AND THAT'S WHAT I WANTED. I WANTED JAMIE TO BE WITH ME AND BE WITH ME ALL THE THINGS THAT GOD WAS GOING TO DO. AND I WANTED US TO GO THROUGH OUR LIFE TOGETHER AND SHARE ALL OF THESE THINGS. THAT'S WHAT I WANTED WAS A COMPANION, FELLOWSHIP. DID YOU KNOW WHEN I PROPOSED TO HER, I DIDN'T EVEN KNOW IF SHE COULD COOK. I DIDN'T KNOW IF SHE COULD CLEAN THE HOUSE. I DIDN'T KNOW ANY OF THOSE THINGS. I DIDN'T GIVE HER A SURVEY AND CHECK HER OUT. I DIDN'T MARRY HER SO THAT SHE COULD DO THINGS FOR ME. I MARRIED HER BECAUSE I LOVED JAMIE AND WANTED TO SPEND THE REST OF MY LIFE WITH JAMIE. AS IT TURNS OUT, SHE'S A GREAT COOK. SHE CLEANS A GREAT HOUSE. SHE WASHES MY CLOTHES. SHE IRONS, SHE ironed well, not this shirt, but she ironed the shirt that I'll wear tomorrow and she does things for me. And you know what? It's great. I appreciate it. But that's not why I married her. I married her for her. And the fact that she does things is just like icing on the cake, but I married her for her. God loves you for you. Not just what you can do, but He loves you. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, what I'm saying, some of you may think, well, how does this relate to me? If you could understand what I'm saying, the fact that God Almighty loves you places tremendous value on you. Did you know you determine the value of something by what people are willing to pay for it? I see some of these things, you know, like I think it's called the road show or I forgot what the name of it is, but they go and they take some little thing that, you know, might have cost a dollar at one time, but now it's rare and people are willing to pay 20 and 30 and $40,000 for something that the physical, you know, the elements in it, it's not worth that, but it's the value. You can take a little baseball card that you got in a, you know, we used to pay, a, I think it was a penny, and get bubble gum with these baseball cards in it and stuff. And some of those things were less than a penny. Now they're worth tens of thousands of dollars because they're rare and people will pay for it. It's not the physical substance that's in that. It's, It's what establishes the value of something is what people are willing to pay for it. And you know what? You and I may look at ourselves and think we aren't worth very much, but just think that God Almighty was willing to send His Son... TO DIE FOR YOU, TO BRING YOU BACK INTO RELATIONSHIP WITH HIM. AND WHAT THAT DOES, THAT ESTABLISHES A VALUE ON US THAT MOST OF US DON'T VALUE ourselves AT. MATTER OF FACT, THE WORLD, SATAN AND EVERYTHING IS TRYING TO DEVALUE YOU AND TO SHOW YOU THAT YOU AREN'T WORTH ANYTHING. BUT, MAN, GOD PLACES HUGE VALUE ON YOU. THIS IS WHY HE CREATED MAN. AND IT WAS THE ORIGINAL PURPOSE, AND IT'S STILL GOD'S PURPOSE. GOD WANTS RELATIONSHIP WITH YOU. HE WANTS YOU MORE THAN HE WANTS WHAT YOU CAN DO FOR HIM. THE LORD ENJOYS YOU. HE ENJOYS FELLOWSHIP WITH YOU. MAN, LOOK AT A PASSAGE OF SCRIPTURE OVER HERE IN Zephaniah CHAPTER 3. THIS IS RIGHT IN THE MIDST OF TALKING ABOUT ALL KINDS OF JUDGMENT, PUNISHMENT AND EVERYTHING. And yet in the midst of it, here is a positive statement in Zephaniah 317, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save, he will rejoice over thee with joy. He will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. You know, that's not just poetical, that is actual. If you look these words up in the Hebrew, it's awesome talking about that he will twirl and dance and do all of these things. God loves us so much that He is rejoicing over you. He's dancing over you. He's resting in His love, not in your goodness, not in your performance. God loves you because He is love, not because you are lovely. You don't ever need to get that confused. God is love. It's not your loveliness. God just loves you. Ezekiel chapter 16 talks about how the Lord found us and He puts it into a PICTURE FOR HIM. AND HE SAYS, WE WEREN'T THE MOST BEAUTIFUL. We, IT WASN'T BECAUSE WE WERE ALL OF THESE AWESOME THINGS. HE SAYS, WE WERE LIKE A BABY BORN IN THE DAY, AND WE WERE JUST STILL POLLUTED IN OUR BLOOD. WE STILL HAD ALL OF THE FLUIDS OVER US. OUR UMBILICAL CORD WASN'T uh, CUT, AND WE WERE THROWN OUT INTO THE DIRT AND WALLOWING IN THE DIRT, CAKED WITH DIRT. AND AT THAT TIME, GOD LOVED US, AND GOD TOOK US, AND GOD DID THESE THINGS. Man, God loves you because He is love and He is rejoicing over you. He's joying over you. God loves you more than you could ever understand. You know, on March the 23rd, 1968, University Baptist Church, Arlington, Texas, God showed up and God poured His love out in me. And for four and a half months, I was caught up in the presence of God. I didn't eat or sleep consciously for four and a half months. And after four and a half months, it wore off because of a lot of things. Part of it was because everybody was telling me I was of the devil. And uh, anyway, it finally got to me. And I spent a couple of years struggling before I began to get into the Word and understand some things. But the Lord finally showed me that what I experienced of God's love wasn't even close to understanding how much He loved me. It was just a little glimpse into it. And even when I don't feel it, GOD STILL LOVES ME THAT WAY. GOD LOVES ME AND HE NEVER CHANGES. HE'S THE SAME YESTERDAY AND FOREVER. HIS LOVE FOR ME DOES NOT FLUCTUATE BASED ON MY PERFORMANCE. HE LOVES ME. GOD LOVES ME, PERIOD, AND THERE'S NOTHING I CAN DO ABOUT IT. I CAN'T MAKE GOD LOVE ME MORE AND I CAN'T MAKE GOD LOVE ME LESS. THERE'S THINGS I CAN DO TO MAKE ME LOVE GOD MORE. THERE'S THINGS I CAN DO THAT WILL MAKE ME LOVE GOD LESS. SO I DO NEED TO DO THINGS, AND I DO NEED TO STUDY THE WORD AND LIVE A HOLY LIFE. BUT GOD LOVES ME, AND HIS LOVE FOR ME IS NOT PROPORTIONAL TO MY PERFORMANCE. HE LOVED ME BEFORE I LOVED HIM. IT SAYS THAT IN 1 JOHN, CHAPTER 4, WE LOVE HIM BECAUSE HE FIRST LOVED US. GOD DIDN'T LOOK AT US AND SEE while well, ALL OF THE GREAT THINGS WE WERE DOING AND SAY, OH MAN, I'VE GOT TO LOVE THIS PERSON. LOOK HOW AWESOME THEY ARE. IT SAYS HE COMMENDED, ROMANS 5:8. HE COMMENDED HIS LOVE TOWARD US IN THAT WHILE WE WERE YET SINNERS, CHRIST DIED FOR US. VERSE 9, MUCH MORE NOW, MUCH MORE NOW. IF YOU CAN ACCEPT THE FACT THAT JESUS DIED FOR YOU WHILE YOU WERE A SINNER, While you were going your own way, you didn't even know that God existed. You didn't care about Him. If God loved you then, much more does He love you now, you sorry thing. I don't care how bad you're living. I don't care what you're doing. God loves you even more now. God loves you. And if you could understand this and just begin to reciprocate and give Him pleasure and worship Him, I TELL YOU WHAT, WHEN YOU WORSHIP GOD, MANY PEOPLE DON'T SIT DOWN AND THINK THESE THINGS OUT, BUT THE REASON THAT PRAISE AND WORSHIP, WHEN YOU GET INTO A PLACE OF WHERE YOU'RE JUST WORSHIPPING GOD, ONE OF THE REASONS THAT IS SO AWESOME IS BECAUSE IT BLESSES YOU. THE WAY I EXPRESS THAT IS GOD IS NEVER GONNA LET YOU OUTGIVE HIM. AND IF YOU START GIVING HIM WORSHIP AND PRAISE AND THANKING HIM, I CAN GUARANTEE YOU THAT GOD IS GONNA BLESS YOU BACK MORE THAN YOU'RE BLESSING HIM. AND YET HE WILL REJOICE OVER YOU WITH JOY. HE WILL DANCE AND TWIRL OVER YOU WHEN YOU'RE WORSHIPING HIM. AND IF HE'S DOING THAT, HE'S GOING TO BLESS YOU MORE THAN HE'S BLESSED. AND YOU GET BLESSED WORSHIPING GOD. I DON'T KNOW EXACTLY HOW THAT WORKS, BUT YOU JUST CAN'T OUTGIVE GOD. YOU START GIVING HIM WORSHIP. YOU START GIVING THANKS UNTO HIM, AND IT DOES SOMETHING TO YOU. IT TRANSFORMS YOU. LOOK AT THIS PASSAGE OVER IN ACTS CHAPTER 13. And in verse two, this is talking about Paul and Silas, some of the other people. And it says, as they were fasting and pray." this is in uh, Acts chapter 13 and verse two, it says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. This is another message. I'll just mention it and not preach it. But you know what? When you're worshiping the Lord and ministering to the Lord, that's when the gifts of the Holy Spirit flow. And the gifts said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul. If you want the supernatural power of God to operate, get into a place of where you're worshiping Him and you're magnifying Him. And I guarantee you the Spirit of God will start to flow. Elisha called for a uh, minstrel, and as the minstrel played, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and all of a sudden, he began to prophesy. That's a separate message, but that's a good one. The point I was wanting to make is, it says, as they ministered to the Lord. What does this mean that they ministered to the Lord? Most of us think ministry is you got to do something, you got to be doing something. Sometimes ministry is preaching and rebuking people or telling people something. Were they rebuking the Lord? Were they telling the Lord what to do? How do you minister to the Lord? The same thing is said over in uh, Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. For those of you that believe Peter was the first pope, you might have trouble with that. But Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law of a fever and she arose and ministered unto him. What did that mean? Did she sit him down in a chair and go to preaching to him and telling him what he should do? You know what that means? She went and probably washed his feet, which was a custom of the day, fixed him some food, took care of him, ministered to him, just supplied his needs. In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, they ministered to the Lord. What were they doing? Well, they were praying. They were waiting on the Lord. They were worshiping the Lord. Did you know that that ministers to God? Man, this became a great revelation to me. I don't know how many of you will track with me and understand this. But God is love, and any person who loves has a need, and that is to be loved back. God longs for you to love Him. Now, I believe God is God, and He's not going to fall off His throne or get depressed if you don't love him back. He's able to handle his emotions. But God loves you and God longs for you to love him back and to fellowship with him. And in that sense, God has a need. And that need is that he needs people to love him. He created us for his pleasure. He created us for a relationship and God Needs. I guess it might be better to say desires you to love Him back and to be in relationship with Him. And brothers and sisters, there's just a lot of people today that they do things for God, they serve God, they try and live holy and they do all of these things. But how much time do you just spend with the Lord saying thank you and just praising Him and acknowledging the goodness of God? Adam and Eve, when they were created, again, they didn't have anything to pray for. They didn't have anything to repent of. They didn't have anything to rebuke. What was their relationship with God like? You know, I don't know, but I imagine that they just said, God, that was an awesome sunrise. Man, the world is so beautiful. I found this fruit today that I had never had before, and it was awesome. You did a great job. I can imagine them finding a duck-billed platypus and saying, man, that is something else. It's like you had all of these leftover parts and you just put them all into one animal. This is awesome. And they they see things flying through the air and God, you just are so awesome. You created a great world. It was a perfect day today. Thank you for everything. Thank you for anticipating my needs. You know what? That's, That's bound to be what their relationship was about. They didn't have anything to repent of. They didn't have anything to pray for. They didn't have anything to rebuke. They didn't have any needs. It was just thanking God for the awesome things that He had done. And I believe that that ministered unto God. I believe that God inhabited the praises of His people. Psalms chapter 22, verse 3, that's what it says. He inhabits the praises of His people, Israel. God dwells in our praises. In heaven, that verse we started with, God, it is constant praise. It is constant worship. Heaven isn't wringing its hands, looking at ISIS and wondering what they're gonna do, how they're gonna overcome the great recession. Man, in heaven, it's all taken care of. They are just rejoicing and praising God. And I believe that this ought to be the majority of our relationship with God. If we would spend more time just worshiping God and ministering unto Him instead of asking Him to minister unto us, you wouldn't need as much ministry. I could give you many, many scriptures on this, but Jesus quoted from Psalms chapter 8, verse 2, where it says, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected... Or ordained strength because of the enemy and the avenger. He quoted that in Matthew chapter 21, and he said, Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast uh, perfected praise. He changed the phrase to say ordained strength to perfected praise. And so put those two together, and you can find out that when you are praising God, this is strength coming out of your mouth to still the enemy and the avenger. IF WE WOULD WORSHIP GOD AND JUST PRAISE HIM AND GLORIFY GOD, YOU WOULD FIND OUT THAT SATAN CAN'T STAND IN THE PRESENCE OF PRAISE AND WORSHIP. IT DRIVES DEMONIC THINGS OUT. THE MEDICAL PROFESSION HAS EVEN FOUND THAT YOU KNOW uh, uh, THAT YOUR IMMUNE SYSTEM IS SUPPRESSED WHEN YOU ARE STRESSED OUT. WHEN YOU ARE WORRIED, WHEN YOU ARE FEARFUL, WHEN YOU'RE UNDER PRESSURE AND STUFF, IT AFFECTS YOU PHYSICALLY. AND THE OTHER SIDE OF THIS, PROVERBS 17, I THINK IT IS, SAYS, A MERRY HEART DOES GOOD LIKE A MEDICINE. IF WE WOULD BE REJOICING AND PRAISING GOD, A LOT OF THE PHYSICAL PROBLEMS THAT WE HAVE WOULDN'T EVEN EXIST. SO MUCH OF OUR PHYSICAL PROBLEM, SOME PEOPLE ARE THINKING, WELL, I WOULD PRAISE GOD IF I DIDN'T HAVE THIS. WELL, YOU WOULDN'T HAVE THIS IF YOU WOULD PRAISE GOD. Well, when God sets me free of everything, then I'm going to praise Him. Man, it's a good thing I'm not God. I just drop kick you off into space, (laughs) amen. I mean, the spirit of slap wants to come all over me when people get to talking about, you don't understand how bad it is. Man, you should have been with me over in Uganda with these people that, you know, their whole day's meal is a couple of rats that they found and they roasted. And these people are just dying like flies. The mortality rate among kids is over 50%. Many of them don't wear clothes and they're just struggling. They're just barely alive. They have no purpose in life except to live one more day. They don't have any goals. And and there's people here griping and complaining about things. You could take a person living on the street here and they are better off than the many, many people in this earth. I'VE HEARD THAT IF YOU'VE GOT $10 IN YOUR POCKET, YOU'RE RICHER THAN 90% OF THE PRESENT WORLD POPULATION. AND YET THERE'S PEOPLE COMPLAINING AND GRIPING BECAUSE YOU DON'T HAVE YOUR FIFTH FLAT SCREEN TV, BECAUSE YOU WEREN'T ABLE TO GET THE IPHONE 6 PLUS. MAN, WE'RE JUST SO FAR OUT OF whack. OUR FOCUS IS ON ALL OF THE WRONG THINGS. I'M TELLING YOU THAT THERE IS A GOD-SHAPED VACUUM ON THE INSIDE OF EVERY ONE OF US, AND WE WERE CREATED FOR HIS PLEASURE. WE WERE CREATED TO HAVE RELATIONSHIP WITH HIM, AND IT'S ONLY WHEN YOU ARE IN RELATIONSHIP WITH HIM AND LOVING HIM THAT YOU ARE GOING TO BE SATISFIED. A BIGGER HOUSE ISN'T GOING TO SATISFY YOU. A BIGGER CAR IS NOT GOING TO SATISFY YOU. MORE PRESTIGE, MORE Uh, TROPHIES ON YOUR MANTLE. NONE OF THOSE THINGS ARE GOING TO SATISFY YOU. WHAT SATISFIES YOU IS WHEN YOU START JUST GIVING HIM PLEASURE AND LOVING HIM. Amen. AMEN? THE BIBLE SAYS, BLESS THE LORD, O MY SOUL, AND ALL THAT IS WITHIN ME. BLESS HIS HOLY NAME. BLESS THE LORD, O MY SOUL, AND FORGET NOT ALL OF HIS BENEFITS. YOU KNOW WHY I TOLD YOU NOT TO FORGET? BECAUSE YOUR TENDENCY IS TO FORGET. IT'S A COMMAND, DON'T FORGET. STIR YOURSELF UP BY PUTTING YOURSELF IN WAY OF REMEMBRANCE. 2 Peter, PETER CHAPTER 3, VERSE 1. YOU NEED TO BLESS THE LORD. WHAT DOES IT MEAN TO BLESS THE LORD? I HEAR PEOPLE ALL THE TIME SAYING, BLESS THE LORD, BLESS THE LORD, BLESS THE LORD. THAT MAY OR MAY NOT BLESS THE LORD. BLESSING THE LORD ISN'T REPEATING THOSE WORDS. BUT YOU KNOW WHAT? WHEN YOU LOVE THE LORD AND SAY, FATHER, THANK YOU FOR MY SALVATION, Thank you that if I die, if the doctors you know, told me I'm going to die, and if I do die, thank you that I'm going to go straight into heaven. I'm going to have a mansion prepared. I'll have no more sorrow, no more pain. Thank you that if I lose, I win. Thank you that I can't lose for winning. Thank you. And when you say something like that, you know what that does? That blesses the Lord. God gets blessed by that. Blessing the Lord isn't a phrase It's when you love Him. It blesses God. God gets blessed by you. You know, I took my boys out when they were like six and four, and we went out one day, and we went and rode horses, and we had a neighborhood kid with each one of them, and we played in the creek and ate junk food, got filthy, dirty, dirty, did all of the stuff that if Jamie was there she wouldn't have liked. We ate <laughs> stuff that you weren't supposed to eat, and anyway we just had an awesome day. And when we got home, we you know were cleaning them up. We had our devotion, and as we were going, I, I turned the light off. And as I was walking out of Peter's room, this is the one that praise God was raised from the dead in 2001, but uh, he was only four at that time. And as I turned the light off, he said, "Dad," and I said, "Yes," and he said. YOU'RE A GOOD DAD. YOU KNOW WHAT THAT DID? IT BLESSED ME. AMEN. HE DIDN'T GO, BLESS YOU, DAD. HE JUST SAID, DAD, YOU'RE A GOOD DAD. AND YOU KNOW WHAT? THAT BLESSED ME. THAT BLESSED ME MORE THAN IF HE had SAID, BLESS YOU. HE BLESSED ME BY JUST... THAT WAS HIS WAY OF SAYING THANKS, HAD A GOOD DAY and it blessed me. Did you know that God gets blessed when you just say thanks? And it doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be earth-shattering. You can just thank Him for the sunrise. Thank Him that, praise God, that there's enough air to breathe. You don't ever have to worry about, is there going to be a next breath? You take it for granted. Father, thank you that you've made enough air to sustain over 7 billion people on the planet and you've got it so that the earth purifies the air. And just praise Him. Find things, you know, they're discovering things all of the time and just think about how awesome the earth is that God created. Thank God that you were born in this nation. Thank God for the opportunities that you have, the freedom that you have. This is one of the reasons that we make our students go on a foreign missions trip because we get so tunnel vision here thinking that, well, well, I'm, you know, I'm only making $20,000 a year. Man, most of the world would love to have your problem. And if you didn't buy everything on credit and live beyond your needs, you could make it on that. Amen. There wasn't too many amens on that one. But anyway, if we would just thank Him and be thankful, it blesses the Lord. Yes, God loves you. God loves you so much that every time you turn around and just say, Father, thank you for doing that, it blesses God. You know, when Peter said that to me, you know what I wanted? I wanted to get him out of bed and go horseback riding all over again and go do all of this stuff just so I could hear him say, Dad, you're a good dad. Good. And every time you say... Thank you, Father. Thank you that things are as good as they are. This is one of the things I learned from Pastor Bob. I've heard him preach that. Thank you that things are as good as they are. You know, I was preaching on this one time at one of our ministers' conferences and just talking about being thankful and how we ought to praise God for what we've got and stuff. And this was when Bob and Joy's daughter had just had, you know, the thing, and they were going through this 24-hour-a-day nursing care. They had... PROBLEMS IN THE CHURCH. I THINK YOUR PARENTS AT THAT TIME WERE ALSO STRUGGLING, AND THEY JUST HAD PROBLEM AFTER PROBLEM. HE HAD MENTIONED IT DURING THE MINISTER'S CONFERENCE. PEOPLE WERE AWARE OF SOME OF THE THINGS THAT THEY WERE GOING THROUGH. AND YET, WHEN I WAS PREACHING ON THIS, PASTOR BOB JUST STOOD UP IN FRONT OF THE WHOLE GROUP, THREW HIS BIBLE ON THE GROUND, AND HE SAID, I'VE HAD ALL OF THIS I CAN TAKE. I GOTTA PRAISE GOD. AND HE JUST STARTED THANKING GOD AND HE WAS SAYING, THANK YOU, FATHER, THAT THINGS ARE AS GOOD AS THEY ARE. AND PEOPLE WHO HAD PROBLEMS, ONE-TENTH THE SIZE OF HIS PROBLEMS, BEGIN TO HIT THEIR KNEES AND REPENT, AND SAY, OH, GOD, FORGIVE ME. I TELL YOU, GOD IS GOOD TO US, BROTHERS AND SISTERS. If you never prosper here, which it is God's will for you to prosper, but for whatever reason, if you don't experience it, you're going to live in a mansion on streets of gold for eternity. Your future's so bright, you got to squint to look at it. If you never get healed in this life, even though God wants you to be well, you are going to be well forever in eternity. There'll be no more sickness, no more disease. Somebody says, but I'm going through a divorce. Well, then start praising God that in heaven there isn't any marriage, amen. Thank you, Jesus. This is temporary, amen. I'm not gonna have to deal with this throughout all eternity. God has taken care of everything that could ever go wrong with you. Man, you ought to be praising God. And when you do that, it blesses God and God inhabits the praises of his people. Yes, he AND GOD LOVES IT, AND I CAN PROMISE YOU THAT AS YOU START GIVING TO GOD, IT WILL GIVE TO YOU. I REALLY BELIEVE THAT A PREREQUISITE OF POWER IS PRAISE. THERE'S A LOT OF PEOPLE THAT ARE GOING TO PRAISE GOD ON THE OTHER SIDE OF THE RED SEA, BUT THEY WON'T PRAISE GOD ON THIS SIDE. THEY'RE GOING TO WAIT UNTIL ALL OF THEIR PROBLEMS are solved. THAT'S THE REASON THEY NEVER PRAISE GOD, BECAUSE THERE'S ALWAYS GOING TO BE A PROBLEM. WE LIVE IN A FALLEN WORLD. THERE'S ALWAYS GOING TO BE SOMETHING WRONG. AND IF THERE'S NOT SOMETHING WRONG NOW, JUST LOOK AROUND THE CORNER AND THERE'S SOMETHING WAITING. YOU'RE ALWAYS GOING TO HAVE A PROBLEM. THERE'S ALWAYS GOING TO BE SOME REASON WHY YOU SHOULDN'T BE PRAISING GOD. BUT, MAN, THERE ARE MANY, MANY REASONS WHY YOU SHOULD BE PRAISING GOD. GOD HAS BEEN GOOD TO US. AND IF WE WOULD GO TO worshiping HIM, IT WOULD BLESS GOD. And I tell you, this is what you were created to do. This is that God-shaped vacuum that's inside of every person is to just love God and to worship Him and not be like a vacuum cleaner that just sucks everything towards yourself. You need to turn the thing around and start giving. And if you would give worship and if you would love God, even when you don't feel like it, even when you've got problems, go to looking for the good things. I TALKED TO SOME PEOPLE TONIGHT. ONE GUY HAD LEUKEMIA, AND HE WAS DOWN TO LESS THAN 1% OF HIS LEUKEMIA LEFT. AND THIS GUY WAS DOING GOOD. HE WAS PRAISING GOD. BUT I'M SAYING SOME PEOPLE WOULD LOOK AT THAT, AND IF THEY ONLY HAD 1% OF THE LEUKEMIA LEFT, THEY WOULD BE SO FIXATED ON THAT THAT THEY WOULDN'T PRAISE GOD UNTIL THEY GOT IT 100%. MAN, THAT'S JUST TERRIBLE. LOOK AT THE FACT THAT GOD'S TAKEN AWAY 99% OF IT. PRAISE HIM FOR THAT. AND IF YOU WOULD PRAISE HIM FOR THAT, THAT 1% WOULD CEASE TO BE A PROBLEM. I ALSO MINISTERED TO A WOMAN TONIGHT, A FRIEND OF MINE, WHO SHE'S BEEN DEALING WITH THINGS FOR YEARS, AND SHE'S GETTING BETTER. AND THE LORD GAVE ME A WORD OF KNOWLEDGE AND SAYS, YOU KNOW WHAT, YOU'RE SO FIXATED ON YOUR HEALING, that you are focused on that instead of focused on Jesus. What you need to do is just go back to what has God told you to do, get focused on your mission and forget how you feel. Forget what your body's like and get on with doing what God told you to do. Start praising Him. And when you take your attention off of yourself is when self is going to get healed. Amen. BUT WE ACTUALLY EMPOWER THE DEVIL WHEN WE ARE FOCUSED ON ALL OF THESE THINGS. WE'RE SUPPOSED TO BE LOOKING ON JESUS, THE AUTHOR AND THE FINISHER OF OUR FAITH, AND THERE'S NOTHING LIKE PRAISE TO GET YOUR ATTENTION OFF OF YOURSELF. IF YOU'RE ONE OF THOSE THAT SAY, WELL, I JUST CAN'T PRAISE GOD, MY BURDEN IS TOO HEAVY. WELL, RIGHT THERE, YOU'VE SHOWN THE PROBLEM THAT YOU'RE LOOKING AT ALL OF YOUR PROBLEMS INSTEAD OF AT THE GOOD THINGS THAT GOD HAS DONE FOR YOU. AGAIN, I BELIEVE THAT IF WORSE CAME TO WORSE AND YOU DIED, YOU'RE GOING TO GO BE WITH JESUS. IF YOU WOULD START THINKING ABOUT THAT AND PRAISING GOD FOR, MAN, IT COULD BE MUCH WORSE THAN IT IS. YOU NEED TO GO TO PRAISING GOD AND and RECOGNIZE, I DON'T CARE WHAT'S GOING ON WITH YOU, EVERY ONE OF US HAS A LOT TO BE PRAISING GOD FOR. YOU KNOW, WE'RE IN A CHURCH TONIGHT. WE'VE GOT THE FREEDOM TO BUILD THIS BUILDING. GOD HAS DONE MIRACLES. WITH PASTOR BOB TO BRING THEM THROUGH THE TORNADO AND THROUGH ALL OF THE THINGS AND TO BE IN A FACILITY THAT'S TWO OR THREE TIMES BETTER THAN WHAT THEY HAD. GOD BROUGHT THEM THROUGH. YOU OUGHT TO PRAISE GOD FOR THIS FACILITY AND FOR THE CHURCH THAT HAS STOOD AND HAS ENDURED. YOU GOT SOMETHING TO PRAISE GOD FOR RIGHT HERE. I DON'T CARE WHAT'S GOING ON IN YOUR LIFE. PRAISE GOD THAT THERE'S uh, OASIS RIGHT HERE. AND THERE'S MANY OF THEM IN THE DALLAS-FORT WORTH METROPLEX. AND THEN PRAISE GOD THAT WE'VE GOT THE FREEDOM TO BE SITTING HERE SAYING THESE THINGS AND NOBODY'S SITTING HERE RESTRICTING US. I'VE BEEN IN CHINA AND HAD TO HIDE FROM THE POLICE AND GET OFF AND RUN AND GO DOWN AND HIDE FROM PEOPLE AND STUFF BECAUSE THEY DIDN'T HAVE THE FREEDOM. I COULDN'T SAY THESE THINGS IN CHINA. WE'VE GOT FREEDOM. YOU OUGHT TO BE PRAISING GOD FOR THAT AND PRAISING GOD FOR THESE THINGS THAT WE'VE GOT. PRAISE GOD THAT we GOT HEAT IN HERE INSTEAD OF BEING COLD LIKE OUTSIDE. PRAISE GOD THAT YOU'VE GOT PADDED PEWS. Amen. Praise God for all kinds of things. Man, those of you who think I don't have anything to pray for, I tell you, it's just a good thing I'm not God. I'd turn you into a pile of ashes right now. You ungrateful thing. Man, we got a lot to be praising God for. We need to be praising God and blessing God. And when you do that, God rejoices over you with joy and it blesses you. It steals the enemy and the avenger. It drives the devil away. It builds you up and it blesses God. You, you affect three areas. You affect the devil, you affect you and you affect God when you praise. And God inhabits the praises of his people. You know, I ministered on this. I forgot how many years, but it's been over 20, 30 years ago or something like this when I was only on radio and a woman in Huntsville prison wrote me a letter. And this is back before we had computer stuff and all of that. It was a, it was a written letter and she wrote in there that she had murdered somebody. I forget all of the details, but this woman had committed murder and had been convicted and sentenced to die. AND SHE WAS IN uh, SOLITARY CONFINEMENT IN HUNTSVILLE PRISON DESTINED TO DIE, AND SHE GOT BORN AGAIN WHEN SHE WAS IN PRISON. AND EVEN THOUGH GOD HAD FORGIVEN HER AND SHE KNEW THAT SHE WAS FORGIVEN, SHE WAS MISERABLE BECAUSE SHE WAS JUST CONFRONTED EVERY SINGLE DAY WITH HER SIN, WHAT SHE HAD DONE. SHE HAD NOT ONLY RUINED HER FAMILY, HER HUSBAND HAD DIVORCED her, HER CHILDREN WOULD HAVE NOTHING TO DO WITH HER, She had affected another person and had ruined their family and these people hated her. And then she was now a drain on society. She was just living off society, costing people money. She was in solitary confinement so she couldn't witness to any other inmates. They slipped her food to her under the door. And this woman was just totally miserable and she was listening to me on the radio and I was teaching about ministering unto God and how God created us for his pleasure, and that when we just thank him, that it blesses God. He rejoices over us, he, he inhabits our praises. And this woman, God spoke to her in her jail cell, and she wrote me this letter, and it had tears on it. You could see where the tears had hidden it, and the ink had run. And she was telling me about how bad her situation was, and she says, I was just praying every day God, kill me, God, get me out of here, let them go ahead and execute me, get it over with. And then she says, now I know that I it doesn't matter if they put me in here or not, I can minister unto God. Whether I can minister unto anybody else, I can minister unto God. She says, I got a purpose for living. She says, I and she started praising God. There were tear stains on her letter. And she says, I'm freer than I've ever been in my life. She says, I am having the time of my life. This is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me, ever. And this woman in solitary confinement facing death was freer and more full of joy than most of the people sitting right here in this room because she had found the heart of God and just loving and worshiping God and just saying thank you to God. Man, that's awesome. And I'm telling you, there are many of us that have all of our freedom and we have all of these advantages and we got all of these things and yet we get caught up with so much else. This is what it's all about. John 3, 16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes on Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The purpose of Jesus' coming was to give you everlasting life, which is not talking about living forever because it says in that same chapter, THAT WE NOW HAVE ETERNAL LIFE. JOHN 17, 3 DEFINES ETERNAL LIFE. THIS IS LIFE ETERNAL, THAT THEY MIGHT KNOW YOU, THE ONLY TRUE GOD, AND JESUS CHRIST, WHOM HE HAS SENT. ETERNAL LIFE ISN'T LIVING FOREVER. IT'S NOT LIVING FOREVER IN HEAVEN. THAT'S ONE OF THE BENEFITS OF ETERNAL LIFE. BUT ETERNAL LIFE IS KNOWING GOD. YES, IT IS. SOME PEOPLE THINK THAT'S IT. It's not talking about mental ascent, it's talking about an intimate, personal relationship with God. That is why Jesus died was to bring you into eternal life, into intimate relationship with Him, so that you could feel His pleasure and that He could feel your pleasure. And let me just say that if all you did was get your sins forgiven and yet you don't have an intimate relationship with God, if you don't feel God's pleasure, you're missing the whole purpose of salvation. It isn't to get your sins forgiven so that you won't go to hell. That's a great benefit. Praise God for that. But eternal life is so that you can know Him right here in this life. And if you aren't experiencing that joy of knowing God, if you don't feel His pleasure you're missing eternal life. You're missing the purpose of salvation. And I'm telling you, God loves you. And many of us are looking for all these things to do for God. Don't do anything for God until you've first of all given Him yourself. And just surrender yourself and love God and fellowship with God. And when you do that, man, I could minister on this forever. I'm going to have to quit. But another benefit of this is that when your focus is knowing God, then if your whole world falls around you, you can still know God, and you can still have joy, and you can still have peace. If it's all about relationship with God, and if you don't count success as being numbers and finances and all of these other things, but it's about just pleasing God, then you can be a success when the whole world is falling apart around about you. Jesus had 5,000 people that wanted to make Him king come, but He knew their heart wasn't right. They weren't worshiping Him because of what he, who He was. They did it because they got their bellies filled. And so He began to tell them, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. You've got to eat me. And they said, eat you. They thought it was cannibalism. Did you know today people are so fearful about offending somebody. I got a deal from my Canadian office today that I, a person quit being a partner with me in our Canadian office because I said something and they the Canadians are more sensitive than the Americans and I need to tone stuff down to this. and do this. I tell you, I just, I wrote them back and said, look, I am who I am and I'm not gonna try and change to accommodate other people. I said, they can, they can take it or leave it, but I'm not gonna... SIT HERE AND BE POLITICALLY CORRECT AND MAKE SURE I DON'T DO THIS. BUT SEE, TODAY WE GOT PEOPLE THAT ARE SO POLITICALLY CORRECT THAT IF SOMEBODY WOULD HAVE THOUGHT THAT YOU WERE SPEAKING OF CANNIBALISM, MOST MINISTERS WOULD HAVE FALLEN ALL OVER THEMSELVES, APOLOGIZING. NO, PLEASE DON'T MISUNDERSTAND, AND WE WOULD HAVE TRIED TO MAKE IT CLEAR. JESUS JUST SAID, HEY, UNLESS YOU EAT MY FLESH AND DRINK MY BLOOD, YOU DON'T HAVE ANY LIFE IN YOU. HE MADE IT WORSE. AND ALL 5,000 OF THE PEOPLE LEFT HIM AND JESUS WAS LEFT WITH NOBODY BUT HIS OWN 12 STAFF MEMBERS. MOST OF US WOULD HAVE BEEN SAYING, OH, I FAILED. OH, GOD, AND WE WOULD HAVE BEEN TALKING ABOUT IT. DID YOU KNOW, I BELIEVE THAT JESUS AT THAT MOMENT, THAT WAS ONE OF HIS GREATEST SUCCESSES THAT HE EVER HAD IN MINISTRY. BECAUSE HE DIDN'T COMPROMISE. HE WAS IN FELLOWSHIP WITH HIS FATHER. HE WAS SAYING WHAT HIS FATHER DID. HE WASN'T PANDERING TO THE CROWD. He wasn't doing what it took to be accepted. That was one of his finest moments when he saw 5,000 people leave. And instead of falling apart, no oh God, what happened? He turned around to his 12 disciples and said, Will you leave also? There's the door. You're free to go. I'm not holding you. See, that's one of the benefits of when you put God first. You can be in communion with God and feel his pleasure. And if the whole world is against you, who cares? Who cares? I can guarantee you there's people in this room tonight that are bearing hurts. Somebody said something about you. Somebody's criticized you. Something has happened. And I'm not saying that it hadn't happened. I mean, we live in a fallen world and there's mean people that say bad things about you. I'VE GOT THOUSANDS OF BLOGS WRITTEN ABOUT ME THAT I'M THE MOST DANGEROUS MAN IN AMERICA. and they, THEY SAY ALL KINDS OF THINGS ABOUT ME. I'M NOT SAYING THAT WE DON'T HAVE PROBLEMS. I'M NOT SAYING THAT you, you, uh, YOU AREN'T HAVING OPPOSITION. THINGS HAPPEN. BUT IF YOU WERE REALLY IN TUNE WITH GOD AND IN FELLOWSHIP WITH GOD AND FEELING HIS PLEASURE, THEN WHO IS ANYBODY ELSE? WHAT DOES IT MATTER? Amen. Amen. If you're in fellowship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who cares if somebody else rejects you? I was at a church in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee just about a month ago. And there was, I forgot all the details, but somebody was just falling all over themselves to say, I've never been around you before. I've seen you on t but I've never talked to you. And they were just shaking. And, I'm, and they were just so overwhelmed. And, uh, and they waited for a response from me. And I said, you know what? If you spent more time with the Lord, you wouldn't be near as impressed being around me. And it's kind of jerked the slack out of them. But when people just get overwhelmed with, oh, I've never been around somebody like you before, I think immediately, boy, you don't spend a lot of time with the Lord. If you put people into celebrity categories and stuff and you just worship them, it really shows the vacuum that you live in. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. But when, you get, when, when you're in fellowship with God, it just doesn't really matter what you think about me. I don't like to offend people. I'm sure that I've offended somebody tonight. You know, if you came looking for something wrong, I had something for you. Amen. I know I'm, I'm not perfect in the way I say things, and so I probably have offended somebody tonight, and I don't want to do it. I don't mean to do it. I'm trying to do the best I can. But you know what? If you come up here, I've had people spit in my face. I've been kidnapped. I've been threatened to be killed. I've had all kinds of things happen to me and I don't care what you do to me. I'm not going to like it. But you know what? I'll go to sleep tonight and sleep really good because I just don't really care. Compared to God, you're a nobody. And God loves me and He's never going to leave me nor forsake me. So I don't care what you think about me. I had a man come up one time and just start reaming me out and telling me everything I did wrong. And you know, half of it was right. (laughs) And I just stopped him right in the middle and I said, who died and made you God? He just looked at me like, what? I said, are you God? He said, well, no. I said, well, then I don't really care what you think. I said, who are you? And he started, I said, you know what? You're nobody. And he got really offended. Well, how, how dare you say it? And I said, compared to God, you're nobody. That's the way I react to things. Amen. That's one of the benefits of being in fellowship with God. I was climbing a mountain with a friend of mine, and there's this pastor who is a friend to both of us, and... He, he likes us, but he hates us at the same time. And he's always criticizing us. And he, he says really, really bad things about us. And so anyway, we had discussed this before. And as we were walking up the mountain, he was just, did you hear what so-and-so said? And I just stopped and I said, hey, I know that the guy's always saying something about me and criticizing me. I just don't care to hear it. So he got quiet for a few minutes and he says, but he said, and he started telling me again. And I said, I don't want to hear it. So he got quiet for about 10 minutes and finally he says, why doesn't it bother you what he says? He says the same things about you that he says about me. And I said, it's because I don't value his opinion the way you do. The only people that will ever let you down are the ones that you lean on. And if the only one you lean on is Jesus, if he's the only one that you are passionate about and love, then you know what? You can take the criticism of other people. BUT THERE ARE PEOPLE THAT ARE SO SHALLOW. I'M SAYING THIS IN LOVE. I'M NOT TRYING TO CRITICIZE, BUT I'M SAYING IT'S SO SHALLOW. WE HAVE TO HAVE THE ACCEPTANCE OF EVERYBODY AROUND US. EVERYBODY HAS TO CONSTANTLY BE REAFFIRMING US AND PATTING US ON THE BACK, AND IT'S BECAUSE YOU DON'T HAVE A GOOD RELATIONSHIP WITH GOD. IT'S BECAUSE YOU DON'T SPEND TIME IN THE PRESENCE OF GOD. YOU SPEND TIME WORSHIPPING THE LORD AND YOU FEEL HIS PLEASURE. IT'S ADDICTIVE and it'll get you to a place that you just don't have to have the acceptance of anybody else. It doesn't really matter. And if things are going great, great. But if they're going bad, it's still great because you're with God and you know that you're going to come through. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, we are not accessing this relationship with God the way that we should. God wants it. This is what God created you for. And even, you know, I'm on television. We reach over 3 billion people a day and do all of these things. But if I was doing all of this stuff, and if I didn't have time to fellowship with the Lord and to love God, I'm a failure. That's what life is all about. And because I try and keep that as my priority and focus on this, there's things in the ministry that fluctuate. There are sometimes that are better than others, and sometimes it looks like disasters around the corner. But you know what? My relationship with God is always good and God just reaffirms me. And if I lost everything, man, I could still worship and praise God because I'd still have the Lord. My blessing isn't in the things that I've got and all of these other things. It's in personal relationship with God. And I know based on scripture that this isn't just for me. This is for every one of us. You were made to have fellowship with the Lord You were made for His pleasure. That's not only God's will for you, but that's the way He made you. What makes you tick, what gives you joy and peace and satisfaction is when you feel the Lord's love and acceptance. I ministered in Omaha, Nebraska one time. Jamie and I used to go to Catherine Kuhlman's meetings here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I remember being over here at, uh, I think it was in Will Rogers Auditorium or one of these places in Fort Worth and we saw so many miracles. I was an usher. I picked people out of stretchers and put them in seats for fire codes and saw those same people healed. I saw, I touched miracles. I saw these things and after the service was over, everybody left and Jamie and I were the only two people sitting in the auditorium. It's like we were on holy ground. We couldn't leave. We were just basking in the afterglow of... WHAT GOD HAD DONE AND WONDERING, HOW COULD EVERYBODY ELSE LEAVE? WE WERE JUST SO BLESSED. AND THEN I WAS MINISTERING IN Omaha, NEBRASKA, AND WE SAW MIRACLES, BLIND EYES OPEN, DEAF EARS OPEN, PEOPLE COME OUT OF WHEELCHAIRS, WE SAW THINGS HAPPEN, AND I LEFT. AND AS I WAS LEAVING, I SAW PEOPLE JUST SITTING THERE WORSHIPPING THE LORD, AND I THOUGHT, GOD, THAT'S EXACTLY WHAT HAPPENED TO US 30 YEARS BEFORE. AND I WAS SO THANKFUL THAT GOD USED ME to flow through and to touch somebody's life. As I was driving back to the hotel, I was just saying, Father, thank you. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for letting me be a part of it. And as I was saying that, the Lord spoke to me and He says, well, thank you. And at first I thought, God saying thank you to me? Did you know that's the way our God is? He's meek and lowly in heart. God will say thank you to you. God, when you start worshiping Him and saying, God, you're good, He'll thank you. I wish I could talk to every one of you individually. I know that there's many of you that are just, your life is a mess and you're thinking, I need to get a faith message or something. I'm giving you what you need. If you would go to just loving God, and get into the presence of God and let the peace and the love and the joy of God flow through you. If you would learn how to live by faith, not visit there every once in a while. You live there. If you practice the presence of the Lord and just live there and was thankful and before you ever ask for anything, spend about 10 minutes thanking Him for how good it is. By the time you get to your problem, Most of you would think, oh, you know what? This really isn't a big deal, amen. And it it would shrink your problems down. If you would live that way, it would solve so many things. You would just naturally be healthier because a merry heart does good like a medicine. You wouldn't be stressed out. You would have joy and peace, and your whole perspective on everything would change. Many of you that can't get along with people, and it seems like you can't make friends, and people just... For some reason don't like it, it's because you're as miserable as, as you can be and you make other people miserable and they don't like to be around miserable grippers and complainers. And if you would start worshiping God and just loving Him, you would become attractive and you'd start having more friends and things would work out better. Everything would work out better. It would change everything. I'm telling you this, you need this. You need to be in the presence of God. And I... I don't think there's a person in here that does it perfectly. None of us do this perfectly. All of us can love God more. All of us can be more thankful. One of the signs of the end times, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1 through 5 is that people would be unthankful and unholy. It's listed right next to unholy. Being unthankful is ungodly. And for you to spend a day and not thank God for how good things are is ungodly. And it doesn't bless God. It blesses God when you just begin to thank Him and worship Him and praise Him for what you've got. Amen. Amen. So I want to encourage you that praise God, we need to start ministering unto God. We need to recognize this is what it's all about. This is your priority. THERE'S OTHER THINGS TO DO, BUT NOTHING IS MORE IMPORTANT THAN THAT. AND IF YOU HAVE TO DIMINISH YOUR TIME THANKING GOD AND MINISTERING UNTO GOD IN ORDER TO DO SOMETHING FOR GOD, THEN YOU OUGHT TO CUT BACK ON WHAT YOU'RE DOING. YOU'RE A HUMAN BEING, NOT A HUMAN DOING. YOU NEED TO BE A WORSHIPPER. YOU NEED TO EXPERIENCE ETERNAL LIFE AND SPEND MORE TIME DOING THAT. AND THEN THE THINGS THAT YOU DO WOULD BE MUCH MORE PRODUCTIVE if you were doing it from a position of security, in love with the Lord, walking in the anointing of the Lord, it'd be much better. Amen. Amen. So I just call all of us tonight into more intimacy with the Lord, to love Him, to praise Him, to get beyond yourself and start thanking Him for how good He is, whether you can see it in everything that's going on in your life or not. If, IF YOU CAN'T SEE SOMETHING GOOD IN YOUR LIFE, WELL, THEN PRAISE HIM FOR WHAT'S GOING ON IN MY LIFE. GOD'S GOOD TO ME, AMEN. <laughs> PRAISE HIM FOR WHAT'S HAPPENING IN SOMEBODY ELSE'S LIFE. PRAISE GOD. FATHER, WE PRAISE YOU. WE THANK YOU, FATHER, FOR THINGS ARE AS GOOD AS THEY ARE. LET'S STAND UP RIGHT NOW AND JUST BEGIN TO WORSHIP THE LORD. I WANT YOU, OUT OF YOUR MOUTH, TO BEGIN TO THANK GOD, AND I DON'T CARE HOW BAD THINGS ARE, THINK OF SOMETHING GOOD. IF NOTHING ELSE, IF YOU'RE BORN AGAIN, THANK HIM THAT YOU'RE BORN AGAIN, THAT YOU AREN'T GOING TO GO TO HELL, YOU'RE GOING TO GO TO HEAVEN IF YOU DIE. THANK YOU, FATHER. FATHER, WE THANK YOU THAT YOU ARE GOOD TO US. FATHER, WE PRAISE YOU. THANK YOU FOR THIS NATION. WE KNOW THAT THERE'S SO MANY THINGS THAT NEED TO BE IMPROVED, BUT THANK YOU THAT IT'S STILL THE BEST THING AFLOAT. THANK YOU, FATHER, FOR THE FREEDOMS THAT WE DO HAVE. THANK YOU FOR THE GREAT START THAT WE'VE HAD. AND WE THANK YOU THAT IT'S NOT GOING TO END UP FAILING. WE ARE BELIEVING THAT THIS NATION IS COMING BACK TO YOU. THANK YOU FOR THE RECENT ELECTIONS THAT'S CHANGED THINGS AROUND. THANK YOU THAT THINGS ARE GOING THE WAY THEY'RE GOING. FATHER, WE PRAISE YOU FOR YOUR GOODNESS. THANK YOU, FATHER, FOR OUR HEALING. HALLELUJAH. FATHER, WE THANK YOU FOR OUR FINANCES. THANK YOU THAT AT OUR POOREST, WE ARE RICHER THAN MOST PEOPLE THAT HAVE EVER BREATHED ON THIS PLANET, THAT WE HAVE MORE CONVENIENCES, MORE BLESSINGS THAN KINGS. People that were the mightiest people in the world didn't have the conveniences, the blessings, the luxuries that we've got. Thank you, Father, for all the good things that you've given us. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.